Too Bright, the only book light that's guaranteed to blind your enemies, presents Lance Manley, Library Detective. There's a million readers in the naked city. My job? Keep them in line. It's a tough racket doing security at the local public library, but this is my promise to you. Every overdue book borrower, every mouthy chatterbox, Every matronly loudmouth holding up the checkout line so she can tell you her hip feels funny will have to answer to me, Lance Manley. We'll be back with Lance Manley in just a moment. But first, friends, your book light sends a message to your community about you and your family. And it's one of the most important consumer choices you can make. You can either be Mr. Soft Soap, the ineffectual character who bothers and is noticed by absolutely nobody, or you can be a man of purpose, a man of action, a too-bright man. Too-bright reading lamps not only make the pages of your favorite books or magazines perfectly legible in even the darkest room, they represent a real threat to the health and well-being of anyone within a half-mile radius, and that spells respect for you. So send a message to your community. This household is a too-bright household. Don't f*** with us. And now, Lance Manley, Library Detective. In a tiny alcove high above the stacks of the public library, a frosted glass door keeps evildoers at bay and bibliophiles fingering the stacks in safety. For on the other side of the glass, sitting behind a battered oak desk, is the cop of cataloging, the shamus of the stacks, the dick of Dewey Decimals, Lance Manley. Library detective. Come in. Hey, Lance, you got a second you gotta? Doghouse Riley. Library janitor and part-time snitch. What can I do for you? Ah, oh, gee, Lance, you gotta introduce me like that, do you? Gives a guy a complex a complex, it does. Sorry, Doghouse, but they didn't give me an introductory voice over this episode. Come in. Ah, right, thanks, Lance. I, I got news, news I got. Doghouse Riley was a good ally in the fight against bibliographic crime. His position in the basement gave him a unique perspective, a set of ears and eyes that were seldom noticed, but picked up everything. Hey, a voiceover! Never mind that now, Doghouse. What's the skinny? What's the lowdown? Spill the beans and pick them up again. Word on the street on the street is that an old friend of yours is on his way here, Lance, his way. And that wind is a wind which blows ill for you and your job. A job that blows, huh? Who is this old friend? Hanging on to your hat, you should be, Lance, you should be. The friend is Cyrus Amazon, the friend. Cyrus Amazon. That was a name I hadn't heard in some time. He was an industrialist and professional gambler who made his millions in the bookselling business and turned them into billions at the baccarat tables of Monte Carlo. He was either the luckiest man you ever met or the biggest card cheat on two continents. And I mean biggest in multiple variations of the nomenclature. He cheated like hell, and he was huge. The Green Bay Packers offensive line could take lessons from this guy on eating. And on being offensive. But the reason Amazon and I crossed 45s on more than one occasion was his pathological hatred of free public lending libraries. He thought they cut into his bookselling business, and all the library journal articles proving otherwise were lost on him. He and his billions had it in for me. And I chalk it up to pirate's luck and clean living that I'd survive more than one encounter with the corpulent corporate head. Oh, hey, 
I think I hear a particularly heavy footfall on the heavy side coming up the stairs outside, I hear it. Duck on down the back way, doghouse. This isn't gonna be pretty. I just dial star four if you need me, if you need me, Lance. I'll be hiding behind the boiler behind it. Doghouse made himself scarce, and who could blame him? The sound of Cyrus Amazon laboring up the stairs would put anyone in the mind of an angry walrus, and Doghouse always did resemble a seal, in my opinion. So I sat behind my desk to wait. And wait. And wait some more. Jeez, this guy's fat. My door burst open, and there he stood. All six foot, four hundred pounds of him. Every ounce poured into a white linen suit the Boy Scouts could sleep under at Yosemite. And up top, just below a pricey handmade Panama, woven from actual Panamanians, was a look of utter disgust. Manly! It said. What's the meaning of putting this confounded office of yours up a flight of stairs? Were there no rooms on the ground floor? Sorry, Amazon. We keep books on the ground floor. Books the public can check out, you know? For free. Communist fiddle-faddle. Ah! That's why you come all the way up my stairs, that tired old line? Of course not. I have business to discuss with you. Well, in that case, sit down before you fall down, Amazon. You look all in. It's to my eternal torment that I must admit you're right, Manly. Never heard you use those words in that order before. Take the good chair. You jest, sir. None of the furniture in this room would qualify as the good chair if it were in the worst brothel in Istanbul. I'll defer to your greater experience in that area. Sit. (sighs) This one will do. Barely. Now we just have the floor to worry about. What brings you up to see me, Amazon? I've come a great distance in some haste with the promise of a reward for us both, Manly. That is, if you're smart enough to cast your lot in with me. Interesting overture. Let's hear the first act. Only a story of forbidden treasure ready to be plucked by the wise and the careful. You needed somebody wise and careful, and so you thought a little old me? Don't be ridiculous. Your partners will be tiny, but very well rewarded. I merely require a certain credential which you have in your possession. Hmm. What credential's that? Your security pass to the central book distributor's warehouse. No can do, Amazon. Took me years to build up the red points to get that dingus. I misuse it once, I lose my job. Then come work for me. Doing what? Blowing up libraries? Well, maybe on the weekends for fun, but no. Simply taking care of various items of business. All strictly legal, of course. Well, anything is possible. For this job, you needn't worry. I don't need you, only the credentials. Unless you're willing to steal my fingerprints and my retinas, it won't do you much good. Attempting suggestion, but alas, unnecessary and messy. Besides, when you hear what I'm after, you'll want to be in on the score. All right, I'll bite. What's the target? A book, of course. But not just any book. You've heard, undoubtedly, of the Molted Falcon. The Molted Falcon. Now, there was a title that hadn't circulated in a while. It was a ghost book, a publisher's campfire story, a now-you-see-em, now-you-don't hoodoo that editors like to talk about after one too many cups of chamomile laced with cooking sherry. The story was that Stephen King, that man that saved publishing back in the 80s, had written a book that never saw the light of day. 
It was during his pharmaceutically enhanced period when he could knock out manuscripts two at a time, sometimes working without sleep for days. During one such nose candy jag, the story goes he conceived of a singular book, a work of art printed on the finest vellum, bound in the leather of aristocratic Swiss cows and inked with a mixture of Fort Knox gold and whiskey from Hemingway's private stock. Add a few grand worth of jewels and gold leaf and you have the most valuable book in the world without Gutenberg in the title. The book is called The Molted Falcon. It's about a bird that molted. And legend has it, it's just as bad as it sounds. Or at least that's how the story goes. You waste my time with fairy tales, Amazon. It's real, I tell you, I have proof. It's a story you tell first your copy readers to haze them. A literary snipe hunt. If I had a nickel for every trainee tech who was sent to find the molted falcon in the stacks, Every I... legend grows from an acorn of fact, Manly. I intend to follow this one to its source. You'd be better off collecting acorns. So what's your proof? Photographic evidence. That picture was taken in Paris 24 hours ago in an alley behind a rare book dealer's off the Rue de Florentine. This is just a picture of two guys in berets passing a book. It don't prove nothing. I've been following that book for six months, Manly. In Istanbul, I missed it by a week. In Tokyo, by a month. And in Bangor, Maine, it was ahead of me by a mere day. It took some doing, but I tracked it down. It's here, Manly. The Molted Falcon. It's supposed to be terrible, you know. I don't intend to read it. I intend to have it so that no other man alive can say the same. And it doesn't bother you at all that the book in the photo appears to have a basic black library binding, and not a jewel-encrusted gold-leaf treasure. It acquired that black cover in Sydney, kind of camouflage, so that all but the most knowledgeable bibliophile could be holding it in his hands and not recognize its value. Indeed, that ruse was the only reason it slipped through my fingers and continued on to Tokyo. You must not have been holding it in your hands, then. Be that as it may, you can be assured, Manly, that's the book. All right, Amazon. I'll probably regret this, but I'll play your game with just one house rule of my own. Truth was, I was soft in the head for trusting Amazon as far as me and four other guys could throw him. But I had to admit... The chance to see such a rare legend as the Melted Falcon was probably too great for me to pass up. So I took out stupidity insurance in the form of the 38 from my lower desk drawer and headed back to my cold water flat to wait. Four hours and three bourbons later, the sun had set and the time had come to head to the distribution center. It was a quiet place at night. Quiet as a writer's dreams when she finally gets that line of dialogue or description just right. There was no sign of life around the main door, so I headed out back to the shipping entrance. A retinal scan later and I was inside. The smell of books hung heavy on the air, like the words of all the generations were looking down, judging me for what I was about to do. But Amazon's instructions had been explicit. I was to go to a back shelf in the Christian romance section, move a gross weight of Janet Oki, then look for a loose floorboard with the word Beckley written on it in red pencil. A few minutes work and I found the board I was looking for. Lifting that board gave me the chills. 
I made like Howard Carter and reached to the hole beneath the floorboard and took hold of what felt like a standard heavy cellophane book cover. I pulled out my hand, and there it was, a black hardcover book that felt to be about 700 pages, on the low end for a tome of King's 80s output, but still within the realm of possibility. I sized it up. Even though it looked like a normal book, my head swam with possibilities. My mouth filled with cotton and my palms grew sweaty. All I had to do was open to the first leaf to know for sure if this mythical book was absolutely on the level. I reached down and grabbed the front cover. I lifted it slowly. Slowly. When suddenly... The shots sounded like they came from a balcony high above me. I was being assaulted from the theology section. So I tucked the book under my arm and ran. Something stank to high heaven. Amazon's plan was for me to grab the book, meet him out in the parking lot, then make the exchange. Problem was, Amazon was a no-show, and I quickly deduced that an old heap was on my tail. I swerved into the hills and lost him on the switchbacks, then headed straight for the public. I was pretty sure I'd lost my tail by the time I opened my office door. I should have known better. Hold it right there, Manly. Amazon. I should have known your offer was too good to be true. Whatever do you mean, Manly, it was most sincere. Flick on the lights and see. You see, I was merely waiting for your return. I thought the plan was to meet up at the book distributor. I was unavoidably detained. In the gun cell, what tried to plug me in the trade paperbacks? Why, whatever do you mean, Lance? I had no idea you had any trouble. Sure, sure. Is that... Is that under your arm, the... That's the book. Is it genuine? I haven't had a chance to look. Been busy. Hand it over, man. I've been searching for ten years. And you can search for ten more, Amazon. Unless, of course, you have my fee. Yes, yes. Now hand it over. All right, if you insist. Ah, my nose! Ah, oh, what's this you dropped, Amazon? Yeah, 38. I thought I heard a gun cock when I came through the door. Can't begrudge me wanting a little security, can you? Then spill. Why'd you have some gunman after me at the distributors? I didn't, I swear. Many disreputable characters are after this book. Undoubtedly, one was there searching for it as you arrived. Convenient, especially since you weren't waiting outside like you said you'd be. I told you. I was unavoidably detained. Then how exactly did you know to wait for me here in my office? Where else would you go after acquiring the book? So you didn't intend to shoot me, or have me shot? Pah! Of course not. You just thought you'd wait in the dark with a gun. I'm an important man, Manly. Personal protection is a matter of form. You've got an answer for everything, don't you, Amazon? At my age and my position, you have to, Mr. Manly. And now, after ten years... No. No, it can't be. It can't be! What's the matter, Amazon? Damn you, Manly, you've swindled me! You thief! You gypsy! Quit with the racial tinge, insult and spill. What's with the book? This isn't the molted falcon at all. It's an annotated version of the Twilight Saga. And that was it. Amazon rose from behind my desk like the kraken emerging from the sea and waddled out, stopping only once to ask for his gun. I told him I'd send it to him by courier in the morning. 
After he left, I threw the 38 in the incinerator chute. I really should have taken the bullets out first. Sorry, doghouse. That's all right, Lance. No harm done, no harm. So, the library was safe for now from the likes of Cyrus Amazon, but I know he'd be back with some underhanded scheme to put us out of business. There was no ending the fight against his kind. I might have even been premature this time, given that this case has more twists than Agatha Christie in a pretzel factory. For example, I still had no idea who had been shooting at me back at the book distributor. Had it been Amazon or one of his goons? Possibly. But it had been Amazon himself who told me where the book was hidden. And his whole story about needing my credential to get into the building falls apart if one of his boys was already inside, taking aim at my noggin. Too many questions. Especially for a Tuesday night. So I poured myself a triple and reached down to pick up the book I'd bounced off Amazon's nose. Twilight. Annotated by the author, it said. I figured I'd been a bad boy, so why not pay a penance? Why not cap off this day with a trip to the world of sparkly vampires and hunky werewolves? A trip no less strange than the one Amazon was on. A trip to find the stuff that dreams are made of. This has been Lance Manley, Library Detective, The Case of the Molted Falcon. Starring Caleb Silvers as Lance Manley, Jeffrey Adams was Doghouse Riley, and Justin Kapla played Cyrus Amazon. Characters created by the Funny in a Small Town crew with inspiration from Thomas Perkins. Script and sound design by Jeffrey Adams. The music for this episode provided by the wonderful Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 for the following songs. Fast Talkin', Hot Pursuit, Walking Along, and Hard Boiled. This program copyright 2020 by the Icebox Radio Theater, which is solely responsible for its content. Learn more at iceboxradio.org.